Hello, it is Eric Erickson here. So my headphones are broken. I've got one dangling down below my ear, barely hanging on here. Oh, well, it's the downside of radio. You know, in radio, you, you got to have your own headphones because everybody steals them. This is the first lesson I learned 11 years ago is get your own headphones. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson. The phone number is 877 877- Nine seven three seven four two five. Should you wish to be part of this year program, uh, glad to have you here. Now we have to move on to something you all know about. We all know about. We've all talked about the Telegraph in London. London. Okay, when I was a kid, there was this cartoon on when I lived in Dubai called Danger Mouse, and the voice at the beginning of the show. It took place in London, and Danger Mouse was kind of like a, a 007 sort of guy, and it was London, and I can I have never to this day ever been able to say anything other than London. I just can't do it. It's impossible. Where, where are you going? London. London Bridge is falling down. London. <laughs> it was my favorite cartoon as a kid. Y'all have no clue. And apparently, it's on Netflix or something now, Danger Mouse. Anyway, okay, I got to move on. London Telegraph says, headline, Wuhan lab leak, now the most likely origin of COVID. MPs told, MPs are members of parliament. A laboratory leak is the most likely origin of COVID. MPs have heard because after two years of searching, an animal host has never been found. Speaking to the Science and Technology Select Committee, Dr. Ilana Chan, a specialist in gene therapy and cell engineering at MIT and Harvard, said there was also a risk that COVID-19 was an (coughs) engineered virus. Dr. Chan said, I think the lab origin is more likely than not. Right now, it's not safe for people who know about the origin of the pandemic to come forward. But we live in an era where there is so much information being stored that it will eventually come out. We have heard from many top virologists that a genetically engineered origin is reasonable, and that includes virologists who made modifications to the first SARS virus. We know this virus has a unique feature called the furin cleavage site. And without this feature, there is no way this would be causing this pandemic. A proposal was leaked showing that EcoHealth and the Wuhan Institute of Virology were developing a pipeline for inserting novel furin cleavage sites. So you find the scientists who said that in early 2018, I'm going to put horns on the horse. And at the end of 2019, a unicorn turns up in a Wuhan city. The furin cleavage point on COVID-19 is part of the spike protein that helps it enter cells. Spike proteins are little grappling hooks which lock onto receptors on human cells. Once attached, the virus makes use of the enzyme furin, which is present in human cells, to snip away the bond section, leaving a space for the cell entry section of the spike protein. Viscount Ridley, don't you just love this? you got the Viscounts and the Lords, Viscount Ridley who co-authored a book on the origin of the virus with Dr. Chan, said he believed a lab leak was now a likely origin. Lord Ridley told MPs, I also think it's more likely than not because we have to face the fact after two months, we knew the origins of SARS, and after a couple months, we knew MERS 
was through some camels, but after two years, we still haven't found a single infected animal that could be the progenitor, and that's incredibly surprising. We need to find out so we can prevent the next pandemic. We need to know whether we should be tightening up work in laboratories or whether we should be tightening up regulations related to wildlife markets, but at the moment, we are really not doing either. We also need to know to deter bad actors who are watching this episode and thinking that unleashing a pandemic is something they could get away with. We know now that experiments were being done at biosecurity level two, similar to a dentist's office, that resulted in 10,000 times increases in infectivity of viruses and three or four times their lethality. That's an important thing. It's important to stop doing these experiments that are that risky. You'll see what's happening here. This is the stuff that's been known for a while. You and I have known about it, but you get punished on social media for talking about it. I mean, we've been talking about this for a while. We've been talking about this for some time. And everyone's wanted to deny it. People have been attacking you and me for saying this. You've gotten censored on social media if you've dared say any of this stuff. And yet here we have it. But here's the other thing, and this is an important thing, is a lot of people are scared to speak up about it. And they're scared in part to speak up about it because they're afraid of the backlashes from the media and progressives from the wokes. Think about the reaction when you say, brace yourself, some of you, prepare yourselves. You might need to sit down. Get to your fainting couch. I'm about to say something. Get to the fainting couch. Hurry, hurry, hurry. China virus. China virus. Are you racist? Not really. It's a statement of origin. And for the longest time, you weren't allowed to have that conversation. For the longest time, you weren't allowed to even engage in that. For the longest time, it was a cover-up of the truth. It is more likely than not that that's where the virus comes from. And yet there was national and international outrage at daring to suggest it. And now you should know the virus... China can't contain it. The situation's gotten worse there. The Chinese are having to lock down all sorts of people. This is the Wall Street Journal this morning. With COVID-19 flaring up across China, major manufacturers are shutting factories, ports are clogging up, and workers are in short supply as officials impose city lockdowns and mass testing on a scale unseen in nearly two years. And by the way, on that testing, on that testing, you should know that there is more and more data out there, an overwhelming amount of data at this point, that with Omicron, a lot of the tests come back negative at first. In fact, a lot of the tests come back negative when you're in full-blown symptoms, and only after the symptoms have subsided do you come back positive. 
So now the Wall Street Journal is saying this could cause more economic chaos. The prospect of continued disruptions in the world's second largest economy, which has a zero-tolerance strategy for combating the pandemic, is heightening fears that the disruptions will ripple through the global economy. Already, companies including memory chip maker Samsung, German automaker Volkswagen, and textile companies that supply Nike and Adidas are suffering production hitches. Since last December... Officials have taken measures to counter COVID-19 outbreaks in several Chinese cities, including the eastern port of Tianjin, Xi'an in central China, and the southern technology hub of Shenzhen. The world's third busiest container port of Ningbo Zhushan near Shanghai risks worsening backlogs for restrictions on trucks and warehouse operations after more than two dozen COVID-19 cases were confirmed. They have these mass testing sites, and they now have essentially prison camps where they're throwing infected people into pods, and you have to stay in this pod. It has a bed and a chair and a desk and a toilet. you got to stay there. This is bad, and the Chinese are getting more repressive. You know this is going to destabilize China. It's going to further destabilize the nation when so many people are locked down. And they can't get out. And there is a simmering resentment. And so the solution to the Chinese for the Chinese president right now is that he uh, he's focused on the United States and trying to stir up animosity about the United States. And I don't know that anything like that is actually going to work. I don't know that he's going to be able to get away with it long term. The Chinese people are starting to get resentful. They know stuff is happening nationwide. By the way, we got the Olympics coming. That's right, the Olympics. What happens if they can't contain Omicron because of all the people coming for the Olympics? That's going to be a problem as well. And they put all of this energy in, in, in to muster up the abilities to have the Olympics in February. And maybe it's going to collapse. That would be problematic. It would be problematic. Now, it looks like I got a call on this. Uh, yeah. I. You know what? I'm going to break form here. I'm going to go onto the phones. I'm going to go to Trevor here, who's talking about this. Welcome, Trevor. How are you? Yes. How are you doing, Eric? Good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Longtime fan, and my personal situation is similar to yours, but not to discuss that. This is something I've been thinking about for a couple of weeks now, and I'm going to go on Facebook, and I'm going to make a hashtag on it. We, as a, as citizenries of this planet need to come together left and right and just make a firm stance that this needs to stop regardless of who's at fault or whether or not that caused, you know, this particular pandemic. There's certain things that we should not be playing around with. And the fact that this, you know, gain of function research didn't help us prevent this pandemic was to say it won't cause something that won't be able to, you know, be cured by a vaccine. Yeah, yeah, and you know what's, what's so interesting here is so many scientists discourage gain of function research, and yet it was being done, and and arguably with American taxpayer dollars, which is the most and, uh, bizarre thing. And that's my point. You know, left or right, regardless of of, of how you come down on you know as a, you know as a body politic, this needs the this you know we this is something that everybody should get behind that. It affects everybody. So, you know, I think the populace needs to be aware that this is occurring. And, you know, it has no, to me, it has no 
positive effect. It can only be, you know, a negative right. for the, you know for the planet. Yep. I look, uh, Trevor. That's well said. I'm right there with you. It really is something that we as a society need to say. Nah. It's it's kind of like you know how they're. I read a story the other day. They want to take mastodon DNA and inject it into the egg of an elephant. See what happens. I just don't. Look, I've seen Jurassic Park. I've seen Jurassic Park. You know, it's actually Michael Crichton's book is more realistic than the movie. The movie was made, Steven Spielberg, to entertain people. But Michael Crichton wrote a lot of these things. Uh, as as thrillers, as fiction, and they sold well, but also to make some really good points out there. And I don't necessarily know that we need to be playing God. And the temptation here is, as people have abandoned a belief in God, to try to become gods themselves, and it always leads to bad things. Whether you believe the story of the Tower of Babel or not, leads to bad things. And I would tell you we probably need to get away from this. And also, you know, I I continue to think there have got to be a united front against China on all of this. The Chinese have tried to cover up. They've used Western media allies to bully people who've uh, called into question the origin story of COVID. There's got to be a full investigation. It'll never actually happen because China will stymie it. But that just means there should be economic repercussions to China for doing this, particularly as we know China is trying to build a, a rival to the Western liberal order, a, a an Eastern illiberal order. It's like uh, you, you had the the super friends and then you had the, the, the bad guys. In all the comic books, you always have the, the gang of the good guys and the gang of the bad guys. And China is trying to build its gang of the bad guys around the world and a liberal order of oppression and authoritarianism and no free press and, and no free trade, and it's going to be bad. And the West needs to rally and stand up to all of this. China is not good in its present form for freedom in the world, and you may think it's no big deal and we should leave it alone, and one day you will realize that it will be far too late for you to realize you were wrong. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. All of you on the phone lines, I promise I'm going to get to you here in just a couple of minutes. Stand by, however, because I want to. I, I just want to spend a couple of minutes. We this is a sh- pretty short segment here. And the Wall Street Journal, Philip actually found the story for me. I missed it yesterday. Why the Catholic Church is losing Latin America. And the subtitle, Conservative Pentecostals Make Huge Inroads Despite the Region's First Pope. Brazil is poised to become minority Catholic as soon as this year. Now, when you think about Central and South America, you tend to think about the Catholic Church, if you think about religion at all, as the dominant influence, and not anymore. Tatiana Aparecinda de Jesus used to walk the city streets as a sex worker high on crack cocaine. Last year, the mother of five joined a small Pentecostal congregation in downtown Rio called Sanctification in the Lord and left her old life behind. That's a heck of a lead-in, isn't it? The pastor hugged me without asking anything, said Ms. De Jesus, 41, who was raised Catholic and is one of more than a million Brazilians who have joined an evangelical or Pentecostal church since the beginning of the pandemic. When you're poor, it makes so much of a difference when someone just says good morning or good afternoon to you or shakes your hand. 
For centuries, to be Latin American was to be Catholic. The religion faced virtually no competition. Today, Catholicism has lost adherence to other faiths in the region, especially Pentecostalism, and more recently to the ranks of the unchurch. The shift has continued under the first Latin American pope. Seven countries in the region, Uruguay, the Dominican Republic, and five in Central America, had a majority of non-Catholics in 2018. In a symbolic milestone, Brazil will become minority Catholic this year. In Rio State, it's already happened. Catholics are only 46% of the population. The Vatican is losing the biggest Catholic country in the world. That's a huge loss, an irreversible one, says a leading Brazilian demographer. The reasons are complex, including political changes that reduce the Catholic Church's advantage over other religions, as well as secularization in much of the world. During the pandemic, evangelical churches have been especially effective in using social media. But there's something else, too. The Catholic Church embraced liberation theology in the 60s and 70s in Latin America. It drew ideas on Marxism. The Catholic Church opted for the poor, and the poor opted for the Pentecostals as a result, is a now legendary quip in Central America and South America. But here's the thing. What's the big issue here? The Catholic Church is an ordered hierarchy with certain established behaviors. The Pentecostals and the Baptists, also growing in South America. They're largely congregationalist. Everybody's involved, and everybody's really nice to each other. There's not an hierarchy. There's no priest who's an intermediary. It's all very egalitarian, and the people like it. The pastor hugs you. He shakes your hand. He's personal. He's not in a suit. He's not up at, a, at, the, at the altar. He's with you in the congregation. This sort of stuff matters. By the way, I bring this up not to make a theological point, but to make a political one. A lot of disaffected people in this country right now. Who are the politicians that are they're gravitating to? Frankly, they're gravi- gravitating to the Donald Trumps and the AOCs, the Bernie Sanderses. Why? Because those are all politicians, regardless of their politics. They're politicians who come across as very personable and very relatable to a lot of people who want a relationship. The Catholic Church probably needs to figure that out. We live in relational times. The key to success in life these days is to be relational with other people online or, more importantly, offline, and you can build yourself a following. This transcends the United States. It is a global phenomenon now. People want a friend. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Y'all, uh, apparently this has happened in Dallas, Texas. Before the uh, morning city council meeting in Dallas, Texas, forgive me for even playing this. We won't listen long. Uh, uh, thank God you've been spared. The audio messed up there. But now, too late. You got to listen. Corona from Mona. Don't vaccinate. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. You gotta vaccinate in the Lone Star State. Vaccination is so great. Vaccinate me all day long. Vaccinate your dad and mom. Vaccinate my body. Uh, it's a nurse, a dude who has clearly lost his mind. 
May God have mercy on his soul and ours for having listened to it. Let's go to the phones. Uh, first up is Ron. You're going to be up first on the Eric Erickson Show. Welcome. Hi there. How you doing? Good. How are you? Um, doing well. Um, well, this kind of individually uh, goes towards in, inflation and, and, and different things, but uh, no one has talked about the border here uh, recently because they've been focusing on much more important things called voting rights. But um, I, I work for a living. I have to pay for my housing, my medical care. I have to pay for my education. Um, I have to work to earn money. All those things are given free to people coming across the border in record numbers. Uh, I have to have a vaccination in order to work. I know people that have to have vaccinations or they've been uh, let go and they can't, uh, you know, have uh, ends meet. Uh, you, you have record numbers of people coming across the border. That's going to increase the number of programs that need to be done in states because they're just indiscriminately dumped there. Uh, they're going to have to have higher uh, budgets in the government. So they're taking things away from me. I, I, God bless the people that are here <clears throat> um, and they've earned their citizenship. And voting used to be a privilege of citizenship, but all that seems to have gone out the window. Um, I'd just like to hear your thoughts, comments. Yeah, or, yeah you know, Ron, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. I, wrong. <laughs> I, I actually had it in, in a in a stack of stuff earlier to talk about. Do you know the number three issue Americans are concerned about? The border. Number one is inflation and costs. Number two is now the virus. Number three, the border. You don't hear about it in the media, do you? Like Rod said, it, it doesn't come up. Nobody talks about it. But the border is actually a big issue. The border is an issue for a ton of voters out there. And it's not getting any coverage. And in fact, the situation is not getting a whole lot better. Now, we are not having right now in these months the massive wave we had in the summer. But there's still a, a border problem. I just I find it remarkable that the media is not covering it because you talk to politicians in Texas. They tell you the border is still a big issue and people are fuming because uh, they're not requiring vaccinations. And they've been letting people out. Uh, they're they're not tracking the people who come across the border well. There are cascading series of effects, and it becomes a public health problem at some point, particularly in South Texas as the Omicron variant spreads. And yet, you don't hear about it in the media. Just because you don't hear about it, though, doesn't mean people aren't thinking about it, and people are. And a lot of it is people are wondering, what happened? Did this situation resolve itself? And then they start digging, and they're like, no, they haven't resolved. It's not a resolved issue. Still a problem, and yet it doesn't get covered. 877-973-7425 is the number. Chris, you're going to be next. Welcome to the program. Hi, Eric. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. <clears throat> sure. Me. I uh, wanted to uh, touch base back on China. You know, they're about to host the uh, Olympics, and, you know, it's all great that the athletes are working hard and they're going out there to compete we know why they want to compete. It's what they've done their whole life to build up to this moment. But at what point do we as free people, we consider ourselves free and we want to protect freedom, but yet we're going to go to a place that is right now killing, you know, these uh, Muslims. And, you know, all, all the, uh, you know, uh, what do you call them? Uh, the, help yeah, me the, out there. Eric. Yeah, the, the Uyghurs. You know who I'm talking about, right? The Uyghurs. The Uyghurs. Thank you. Thank you. So who's next? Is it going to be the Jews and the Christians? You know, uh, it was great that Jesse Owens 
was able to compete and beat those Nazis back then. But we had no idea that there was Holocaust going on. Today, we know about it. And now we're going to go out there and support this? How do you feel? Yeah, listen, I I think we should be engaging in an overall boycott of the Olympics, uh, particularly. It, it, you know, you. it goes beyond the persecution. And by the way, it's not just the Uyghurs now. We know it's the Hong Kong dissidents. Uh, it's the Christians. It, it's, it's everybody who's not in line with the Communist Absolutely. Party. But it's bigger than that, too, in that China intends for this Olympics to be their international coming out party as a superpower. We know, based on press reports, they are pouring inordinate amounts of resources into pulling off the biggest televised spectacle in worldwide sports television history to show, hey, we are equal to, if not better than, the United States. And I don't know why we want to give them that prestige on an international stage when the reason they're being able to build all of this is slave labor from concentration camps with a bunch of ethnic and religious minorities who refuse to adhere to the Chinese dogma of the Communist Party state. There is generally no reason whatsoever that any American should treat this with any sort of respectability, including our athletes. God bless them. They poured their heart and soul and sweat into getting to the Olympics, and I understand it. The problem here is the International Olympic Committee is as corrupt, if not more corrupt, than the World Health Organization, and they've given them all sorts of credibility on these issues. And it is obscene that we would play along with this. We should not play along with this. No one should. We're doing a diplomatic boycott. We should do far more than that. 877-973-7425. Let's go to Nathan. You're going to be up next. Welcome. Hello. Hi there. Thank you for your time. Sure. My my subject is what following up on the illegal uh, immigration to the point of health. I work in the healthcare industry. Do you know there's a fear factor on the part of those who come over here um, because they don't give us their information that's correct? And who do we who do we contact when they're so ill? They give us false names, false addresses. This is what happened to me yesterday. Babies lost. Who do we contact? Why is it that it's not that they're illegal, it's that there's no registration that's, that is, I don't have the words for it, a registration for, them to, for us to contact right. someone of concern who is concerned, who it isn't sending money back. Your 23-year-old just died of appendicitis for no reason because right. we couldn't get hold of you and you don't know. You know, the control Nathan, isn't so much controlling; it's information to know who you are, and if you're afraid, then maybe you shouldn't be here because you're uh, maybe dangerous. But yeah, yeah, but you know. So, so Nathan, I, I gotta. I, I'm familiar with the setup in Georgia, and I thought during COVID, one of the smartest things that anyone did was the governor in Georgia, Brian Kemp, and the uh, insurance commissioner, John King. He's the first statewide official, uh, Hispanic official in Georgia. And he speaks Spanish as his native language. And they organized coalitions to go into the immigrant community, the largely Spanish-speaking immigrant community, and basically tell them, here's what's going on. Here are the symptoms. And we want you to know 
you need to be treated, you could die, and do not worry about being deported. Just go get treated. Go get treated because if you're not treated, you're going to spread it further. You're going to spread it from your community into every other community, and we've got to we got to tamp down on this. So don't worry about. It. Don't live in fear. Don't worry about being. You're you're going to be deported. We just want to make sure we stop or curtail the spread as best we can. And it was such a smart thing to do because you're right. This is a healthcare problem. Now listen, I don't think you should come here if you're an illegal alien. But I recognize that when you got the president of the United States, Joe Biden, and others saying, come on over, a lot of people are going to take him at their word. They're going to come, and they're going to get here and realize, oh, we've been duped. We shouldn't have been here. A lot of them are going to stay. I just think we as a people have to nuance ourselves enough to be able to realize that if you're an illegal alien and you're headed to the hospital and you're not going to get deported by going to the hospital to get medical care. Why? This is important here that people miss the picture because if you don't go get that care and you wind up dying, it's going to be the American taxpayers who recover that. You shouldn't come. We should dissuade people from coming. But when you come, we shouldn't want to leave you in a state where you could potentially die. It's a more complicated question than I think a lot of people realize. But I just I, – I, I really do think that we've got to deal with that side of the equation. The, the biggest side of the equation, though, is securing the border. And this administration has refused to, to do that. You know, I was talking to a buddy of mine the other day. He is uh, in Congress. He's up for re-election. And he was sharing with me some of his internal polling. You know the number one issue in his district, he's in Texas, people are 80% more likely to vote for you if you support securing the border. 80% more likely to vote for you on securing the border. It's a huge issue down there still. And again, it doesn't get a ton of press coverage. It doesn't. But it should probably get the press coverage because it's still a big issue. People don't talk about it. People don't talk about it. But it still matters. And we got to remember that. We also have to remember on the vaccine issue overall that we are allowing those people to come here and they don't have to get vaccinated. And everybody else got to get vaccinated. The vaccine cards uh, in, in New York City now, you know, you got to have you, you got to have. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's Washington, D.C., in Washington, D.C., the mayor issued guidelines the other day that if you want to go eat in a restaurant, you must have your vaccine. You must have proof of it to get into the restaurant. Do you know who doesn't need proof of their vaccine? I thought I was making this up. By the way, I got to say before I tell you this, I thought it was an urban legend, but it's true. If you want to go into a restaurant to eat there, you got to have your vaccine card. Do you know who doesn't? The employee who checks your vaccine card. That's right. The employees of the restaurants are not required to be vaccinated, but the people who go eat there are. So you could have an unvaccinated employee asking you for your vaccine card. It's absurd. It's what's going on in the country. It's nuts. Shouldn't be happening, and yet it is, and none of it makes any sense anymore, particularly because Omicron, an infected, vaccinated person, can get another vaccinated person infected. So what's the point at this point? A lot of people are thinking it, and we're going to get into this in a little while. Dr. Fauci out there saying uh, Omicron's going to get just about everybody. So at this point, what's the point? People miss the plot. Now, I don't want you to miss the plot on cleaning the air where that 
coronavirus floats. You know, the Eden Pure Thunderstorm can get the bacteria, the mildew, the mold floating out of your, the air. can eliminate it. can even eliminate odors. doesn't mask them. It eliminates them. What you do is you go to EdenPureDeals.com. EdenPureDeals.com. You click on my name, Eric Erickson, and you put the Eden Pure Thunderstorm 3-pack in your cart. And at checkout, you'll see a discount code. In that discount code box, you put in Eric3. E-R-I-C-K-3. The number three, not the word three. And you'll get... This three Eden Pure Thunderstorms with a $200 discount, bringing the total price to below $200 and free shipping. All you do is go to EdenPureDeals.com and you click on my name, Eric Erickson, put them in your car to check out the discount code is Eric3 at EdenPureDeals.com. Holy moly, I'm trying to get audio from what Mitch McConnell, his, wow, my gosh, um, just went after Joe Biden, uh, savagely went after Biden. I'm trying to get the audio here. I've, I've seen some of the transcripts of what he said. Up, oh, up, oh, up. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, let, let me get this. This just happened on the floor of the Senate uh, in the last five, six minutes. The president's rant, rant yesterday was incoherent, incorrect, and beneath his office. He used the phrase Jim Crow 2.0 to demagogue a law that makes the franchise more accessible than in his own state of Delaware. He blasted Georgia's procedures regarding local elections officials while pushing national legislation with almost identical language on that issue. The president implied things like widely popular voting ID laws to be, quote, listen to this, totalitarian, totalitarian. Ironically, on the same day, the Washington, D.C.'s Democratic mayor told citizens to bring both a photo ID and a vaccine card anytime they leave the house. The president repeatedly invoked the January 6th riot while himself using irresponsible, delegitimizing rhetoric that undermines our democracy. The sitting president of the United States compared American states to totalitarian states. He said our country will be an autocracy if he does not get his way if he does not get his way. So the world saw our commander in chief propagandize against his own country, his own country to a degree that would have made Pravda blush. There was no consistent standard behind anything the president said. He trampled through some of the most sensitive and sacred parts of our nation's past he invoked times when activists bled and when soldiers died, all to demagogue voting laws that are more expansive than what Democrats have on the books in his own home state. Georgia has more days of early voting than Delaware or New York. Georgia has no excuse absentee voting, which Delaware and New York do not have. 
If Georgia or Texas present Jim Crow emergencies, then so do a whole lot of Democratic-run states. Wow. Good for, that was Mitch McConnell, uh, literally in the last 10 minutes, Mitch McConnell on the floor of the Senate giving this speech, a barn burner against Joe Biden and uh, his speech from Georgia yesterday, pointing out how Georgia, Texas, and a lot of other Southern Republican states that have engaged in voting rights reform legislation last year actually have more expansive, better laws than those in Joe Biden's home state of Delaware or even New York or New Jersey and the like. Fascinating. At the same time, there is now this breaking news I need to give you at this moment. Mark Kelly, senator from Arizona, widely reported as being one of the Democrats who is willing to get rid of the filibuster, uh, has just said, quote, I don't pay attention to what progressive groups or any group is saying and is not necessarily committed to the changes proposed by the leader of the Senate. Mark Kelly Democratic Senator of Arizona today essentially gutting Joe Biden's proposals in the Senate along with Manchin and Cinema. There is no way, none, that Joe Biden can do what he tried to claim he wanted done yesterday in Georgia. He doesn't have Democratic votes for it. Which is why, by the way, progressive groups boycotted his speech yesterday. It was absurd that he even went down there and did that speech. It was bad politics. Now, all anyone is talking about today on the news is the inflation number and how high the inflation number is and that it's a danger sign for the Biden administration. And guess what? Your voting package won't deal with inflation, Joe. All it will do is doom the Democrats in 2022. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution. If you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business, First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no. It's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan, say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com. 